Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. All right, if you've got your handouts, we'll jump right in. Uh, You may want to go ahead and pull up Romans 1 in your Bibles if you've got that as well. Uh, Remember, on the table is a paper copy of the text of Romans in the ESV. So if you do not have an ESV Bible, feel free to take that paper copy. I have several extras as well. Uh, There's also an actual copy of the entire ESV on the table. Please don't take that one. I'd like you to leave that one here so we can use those each week. Uh, But we will start this morning uh, with a quick overview of what we're going to be looking at today. So we're going to read the text. We're always going to be reading the text. That is the most important thing that we do in Sunday school. We're going to talk about the text, explain it, apply it, personalize it, and then have our table prayer time. So I just want to make sure I'm going to touch on this every few weeks just to make sure that we have this fresh in our minds, that we are approaching things from a intentional uh, perspective. I've heard from several of you that this has been quite helpful so far, so I'm going to keep harping on it. Uh, The typical approach for Bible study, hi, my name's Jim, is a whole lot of time in tools, a little bit of time asking the Holy Spirit for help, a little bit of time reading the Bible, every once in a while talk to somebody from church. Uh, And what I really want to move us toward is a lot more time asking the Holy Spirit, a lot more time in the Scripture, a lot more time having conversations with folks, and then uh, much less time looking at specific tools like commentaries and uh, and the like. So uh, with that, let's jump into the text. So we're going to start in Romans 1-1 and read through Romans 2-11. Romans 2-1-11 is our text for today, talking about God's righteous judgment. Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith, For the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel." 
for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, Disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are, seeking and, who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Romans 1, 1 through 2, 11. <clears throat> there is something that I love about reading scripture in this room because I say, good morning, everyone, and you guys ignore me. And then I say, good morning, everyone, and then you typically respond. And we usually start the podcast after the second good morning, so it doesn't sound like I'm just standing up here talking to myself for a while. And then I'll do some introductory remarks and you continue talking and I'll do some different things and I'll do some introduction and you continue talking. But when I start reading the scripture, everything stops. And that is one of my favorite parts of Sunday school. When I start reading the text and you guys shut up. (laughs) 
not because you're shutting up, because it demonstrates that you care about the text. Like now we are doing something that is really substantively important. And I, I really, really like that every single week. So thank you for uh, shutting up <clears throat> when we read the text. So that's good. All right. So I'm going to answer a question today that was asked a couple of weeks ago because I wasn't ready to answer it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and the person that asked it is in the room today, which is very helpful too. So that first question under the explain God's righteous judgment uh, is what? On your handout. Are there any literary or structural observations? And, and some of us, we read questions like this and we go, Exactly. Yes. Thank you, Kelly Jo. Um, she made the perfect face. She made this wrinkled up like, what? why would you ask this question? Well, because it's really helpful to understand how things are put together because it impacts the way that we interpret and understand the text. If we read everything in isolation, it might not lead us to proper conclusions. And if you take that approach and you, you go to the extreme with it, if I just read a verse in isolation, can you imagine where we would, yeah, well, I actually can't imagine where we could be. You can just drive down the road, right? That's where we are. So uh, Paul shifts today from Romans 1 to Romans 2 in his use of pronouns. And it's really, really important. So you look at the end of Romans chapter 1, and what kind of pronouns is Paul using, Jessica? <clears throat> Who is they? Yes. Who is they? So let's answer that question real quick. So who's the they at the end of Romans 1? The Romans, right? Anybody in more particular? Those with reprobate minds, right? Good. Anybody else? Those who suppress the truth, absolutely. They what? They worship in the creature, not the creator, right? There's something over here that I heard, I think. Someone? Look, caught you with your mouthful, sorry. They've heard the gospel. They've, yes, they've heard the gospel, but they've chosen to ignore this, right? And then in chapter 2, what's the pronoun use? You. Now, there is a word for this in literary circles. And if Stacey Bandy were in the room, she would pipe up right now. Uh, and she would say the word for this is diatribe. And this is a literary technique where you make a point by imagining a singular person that you are writing to. Okay, so, so Paul was setting up in chapter 1, they have a problem, they have an issue, they have done this, they have done this. And now he gets very specific. And when you switch pronouns in writing, whether, whether the reader understands it or not, you change the way you engage because it gets very personal at this point. So Paul's getting more personal at this point. And most of your commentaries that you have sent me feedback on this week, almost every single one that did had something about Paul was talking to Gentiles and Jews kind of mixed together. And now he has switched and he's focusing on Jews exclusively. And and the reason your commentaries say that is because they are interpreting the they as not Jews and the you as Paul is talking specifically to Jewish people. Now, here's my question for you. Where do you see that explicitly explained in the text? You don't yet. When you get toward the end of chapter 2, some of the examples start to be much more Jewish-speaking, Jewish-sounding, Jewish-feeling. So what these commentaries are doing is they're saying, all right, it feels like he's talking to Jews at the end of chapter 2 and he's still on this long diatribe. 
He's probably talking to Jews at the beginning of this long diatribe, and we're connecting those points. And most of our commentaries don't explain that very well at all. The guy that I have, Mu, um, it's, not, it's his real name, I promise, M-O-O. Um, I would have gone to the courthouse and done something about that, but that's... <clears throat> and I have the last name Fleming, right? It sounds like he coughed something up. So it's... Like, Mu is really just... It's awful. Um, you've never thought about that? Yeah. She gets to... Yeah, Thanks. So there's a, there's a scene in Runaway Bride. Is that the movie, Jules? Runaway Bride? Yes. Um, thank you. Where uh, one of the girlfriends of Julia Roberts, he has a radio station, and his last name is Fleming, and the radio uh, show that he hosts in the morning is Wake Up With. <coughs> Flem, yes. You'll get there. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. This is what happens when I don't stick to my notes in the text, right? This is, just delete all that other podcast. All right, so, so I, wanna, I want to, to bring the, you, the they to you up just to give us a head nod. I, I am not a, I'm not putting that Paul is speaking to the Jews in chapter 2 in a closed fist and you will not pry it out of my hand. I, I think he probably is. I think it makes sense. I think it flows with the text. I think the text backs that up. I think the examples that he uses later in chapter 2 make sense. Um, but if it wasn't something you picked up on naturally, it's because you didn't read all of Romans. If you read all of Romans in one sitting, you begin to see these larger arguments and how these bigger points that he's making, because he's a lawyer and he sets these things up. Um, I'm so thankful that you are in the room. I appreciate that because I think about, yes, he's making an argument. This is good. Um, you don't know it, but each one of you is a, a mental cue to think about something as I go around the room. So it's, it's wonderful when we have a full house. So, what's that? God help me. <laughs> he does. It's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's get into uh, what my favorite part of Bible study is. It's the words. Uh, so let's look at what do the words mean? Uh, and let's dive in. So I think I put some of this on the front side of your handout. Yes. All right. So my version of this in the teacher notes, which are at the website, uh, are about two and a half pages long. So when I'm reading this and you hear a lot more than what you see on the page, that's why. All right. So chapter two, verse one, therefore, so we're connecting what comes before you have right now, uh, continuous, no excuse or no defense. This is the same word used in Romans 1.20 when he says they are without excuse. So he's bringing up this concept again. You, are, you still have no excuse, oh man. See the oh man, so he's, he's picked out one person to this literary technique of a diatribe here. Oh man, every one of you who judges. Now, is the word krino, K-R-I-N-O in your notes? Is it in italics? What does that mean? Anybody know? It's the Greek word, right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's the Greek word. And it's a, it's a present active uh, participle. So right now you are judging is a good way to dis- describe this. So it means to distinguish, to decide, to try, to condemn, to punish, to avenge, to conclude, uh, condemn, to damn, to decree, determine, esteem, judge, sue, ordain, call in question, sentence, or to think. And this word shows up three times in that verse. So if you've... Ever, Josh, had somebody, Josh, have a conversation with you, Josh, and they use your name, Josh, repeatedly, Josh, when they're talking to you, Josh, and you feel like you're talking to a Josh, a used car salesman, right, Josh? Yeah, it, it kind of, this is how this verse, like, you get into chapter two and you go, I think we're talking about judging here, right? This is big flashing sign, there we go, all right. 
So therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. And three is the first blank there in case you missed it. For in passing judgment, again, crino, uh, on another, you condemn. Now this is catacrino. So kata means around or to push down. So you're pushing down judgment. It's, it's really, it's kind of in here four times and once in a combined word. So it's pushing down judgment. You are judging against or sentencing or condemning yourself. So when I, when I pass judgment on somebody else, I am pushing down myself. Because you, the judge, the crino, practice, right now, continuous, the very same things. And we go, well, I don't like that. Well, that's why it's in print, so we can't avoid it, right? Verse 2, we know, right now, continuous, this is to understand that the judgment, now this is krima, K-R-I-M-A, it's a different word. This is the outcome of the judging. So a judge produces a judgment. So a krina produces a krima. So you, the, the letters are very, very important here. So right now we know that the judgment of God rightly falls so this is right now. This is active, actively occurring. It is falling on those who practice. This is the same word back in Romans 2.1, such things. Do you suppose or to think about or to take inventory? It's a counting word. Uh, do you account for, O oh man, you who judge, Crino, again. So I'm going to ask you here in a couple of minutes, are there any repeated words? I really want you to get this one right, okay? It's kind of important. Oh, man, who judge those who practice. So this is actively, this is a participle, so you can add ing on. So those who are practicing such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape or flee out of the judgment, the crema, the decision of God. Or do you presume, present right now, there's a lot of present tense uh, verbs in this text. Uh, do you presume... Uh, on the riches or the wealth or the fullness or the valuableness of his kindness. And this is his gentleness or his goodness. Uh, and his forbearance. This is his self-restraint. He's talking about God here. His self-restraint. Uh, his tolerance. His forbearance. I mean, do, does God have self-restraint? Would we agree? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When you open your eyes in the morning, did you see the burning fires of hell? No. That is a demonstration of God's self-restraint. Right? I mean, just absolutely. If, if, when you open your eyes in the morning, if you want something to be thankful for, thank you, Lord. I am not in the burning fires of hell, and your self-restraint is shown now. This is, we, we always have something to thank God for. So his forbearance, his patience, uh, the Strong's Concordance has a beautiful uh, word that helps to explain what patience means, and it's uh, longanimity. Justin's Googling that now, and no, you don't even have to, you wouldn't even know where to start, right? Google's not going to help you on that one. You can misspell it, and it won't help. So, um, It's the idea of uh, forbearance and fortitude. This is, this is I, am, I am holding up well under my patience, uh, not knowing, this is the being, not being ignorant of, uh, that God's kindness. All right, so this is a different word, kindness, here than the word earlier in the verse. This word means employment, his usefulness. Um, his, here's your blank, his betterness, B-E-T-T-E-R-N-E-S-S. -E -E yes, I made that up. That's not a word. It's an adjective here, so we need a nest on the end of it. So his betterness. Those of you that are studying uh, Hebrews with us on Wednesday nights, uh, Jesus is 
better. Absolutely. So when I learned this this week, looked at the specific word and saw how it could also be translated, I sent this to Brian and I said, all right, so we've got, we know Jesus is better. And this is talking about the Father. Now I'm on the lookout somewhere in Scripture for the Holy Spirit being better. And then we're going to talk about Trinitarian betterness, which that sounds like a great name for a book. So that, we're putting that one on the list somewhere. Okay? So we'll keep a list. So that God's kindness, His betterness, the fact that He is better is meant to lead you to repentance. And this word for lead is, is leading. It's, the, this, it's right now continually happening. First try. You challenge. He Googled it and it worked. So, so some of you know that you text message me constantly, and whenever you see me swipe on my phone, this is text messages that are coming in during the middle of Sunday school. So it's a loving harassment as we teach. <clears throat> so that God's betterness is meant to lead or to, to carry off or to drive or to bring or to, to be open you to repentance. And this is the idea of a reversal of a decision, a repentance. So... Let's think about this for just a second. So the fact that God himself is better than everything else is supposed to lead us towards repentance. Because why would I follow anything else that's not as good as he is? It's just like being a pagan is illogical. Because why would you not follow the greatest and the betterest thing in the universe? (laughs) Awesome. I love this word. Sorry. Brian's got me thinking about better on Wednesday nights, and I can't get it out of my head by Sunday, so it's going to come out here. All right, verse 5. Because of your hard, the word here is callous. That's your blank. Callous. C-A-L-L-O-U-S. You're hard. You're calloused over. Um, Now, I shook Doug Skinner's hand this morning. Doug is back. We're excited to see Doug. And uh, I was gentle when I shook your hand, right? Because... Your back, and I don't want to hurt your back because you had back surgery, right? It dug his back. That was actually a joke, but it was buried way deep, so it's all right. And, and when I shook your hands, your hands are more callous than mine because of why? He's older. Crawling. <laughs> <laughs> Crawling, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he does work, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, his... <laughs> His work involves picking things up and moving them and digging holes and putting things in holes and sometimes taking things out of holes. And you've, yeah, I was like, you've told me about that. And that's kind of, where do you work? Cemetery, Cemetery, right. Okay. Um, I work with Excel spreadsheets and Microsoft Word all day. I don't get, like my fingertips aren't calloused from the keyboard. That's not the way this works, right? How do you get calluses? Right, right, right. But how do you get calluses? There's pressure, there's contact over and over and over and over. Let's read the verse. But because of your hard, your, you have rubbed up against this over and over and over and over, an impenitent heart. Such a wonderful description of a person, right? But I'm good. I'm pretty good. No, I'm not. Did, did anybody see the quote that I put on the Romans group this morning? Somebody pull it up. The Romans discussion group. It's a really good quote. And yes, I'm going to wait. Y'all are going, wait, there's a Romans group? What? Yeah, you got it? Yes. 
When Satan tells me I'm a sinner, he comforts me immeasurably. So hang on. You don't stop when I say hang on. That was. <laughs> You were in a groove. You, you did a good, you're a good reader too, so it's kind of hard to stop a good reader. So read the first part again. When Satan tells me I am a sinner, he comforts me. He comforts me. Satan comforts me? Like what? How is Satan comforting me? Because. He says it's Yeah, Satan says, yes, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. But who does Jesus die for? Christ died for sinners. Yes. It's all right that I'm a sinner. Because that means Jesus died for me. Because if I'm perfect, his sacrifice isn't for me. Which is even scary. I mean, being a pagan is so illogical. All right, verse 5. Because of your hard and impenitent. This is unrepentant. So we just talked about his betterness is supposed to lead us to repentance. To lead us to turn. But because of your calloused, impenitent heart, you are storing up. So you are hoarding together you are keeping this. You are heaping. The word here in Greek is heaping treasure together. Right? Have you seen Hoarders? Seen this TV show? Is it still on? I don't know if it's still on or not. If we need to cancel it because it's just scary. Right? I mean, it's just... And if, and if you are a hoarder, I don't want to know. Um, I, I, think about this. What are we hoarding, hoarding up? What are we hoarding up? Wrath. In this verse, it is wrath. We are heaping piles of wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. We are hoarding up God's wrath. This is... Okay, there's like good, happy, wonderful things in Scripture. And then there are hammer of God is falling on your head stuff. And this is in the second camp, right? This... Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing, you are heaping, you are hoarding wrath. And this is violent passion. This is the same word back in Romans 1.18. For yourself, so we're hoarding up for ourselves, going to on my head. On the day of wrath, this is judgment day, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed or disclosed. Remember back in chapter 1 where we talked about those tried to suppress the truth, tried to cover up, tried to hide. And, and well, you can try to hide God's wrath, but there's, there's going to be a day where His wrath is uh, revelationed. That's the word here. It's, it's apocalypso. It's, it's the word for revealed to all things. So verse 6, we go on, right? Because he's not done talking about this. Uh, he will render or he will pay to each one according to his works or his actions or his labor. To those who by patient, to those who by patience, this is uh, hopeful endurance, this is patient continuance, this is waiting in well or good doing effort. They seek, this is right now, they are seeking for glory and honor and immortality, he will give what? Perpetual or everlasting life. But for those who are self-seeking, so I'm, I'm about me, and this is hoarding, right? Why do we hoard? Because it's about me, right? So those who are self-seeking and do not obey, and this is not just I don't obey, this is willful and perverse disobedience. So we are, I'm aware of the truth and I am choosing consciously, intentionally to do something else. For those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey or are obeying unrighteousness, this is moral wrongfulness, there will be what? Wrath. That's right. 
there will be wrath. Does it say there's a strong probability? 80% chance. I have two different weather apps on my phone, and I compare them sometimes because they're off a little bit from each other. And sometimes I go with the probability that I like the best. Like, well, this one says 40% chance rain, this one says 60. I bet it's not going to rain today. Now, the reality is they have no idea, right? It's a computer model somewhere that's spitting out a number that nobody's actually reviewed, and it could say 160% chance one day, and it could be dry. I don't know. But this, there will be, there is coming a day where wrath is going to fall. And he didn't stop with wrath, right? Did we have a period after wrath? But wait, there's more. And fury. So this is passion as if breathing hard. So have you ever been so angry that you got winded? This is fierceness. This is indignation. And whose anger is this? Right. There will be tribulation. There will be trouble and distress. Uh, this is uh, a way to translate this is narrowness of room. You ever been in a tight space? You may have problems with tight spaces. I have both hands up. I hate tight spaces. You've heard me tell this story before, but I got trapped in a hole once and it was not okay. And it, like I was in a hole in the ground and dirt fell in and it was kind of up to my chest and it's not okay. I want a lot of room. <laughs> there will be tribulation and distress. There will be the anguish and the distress for those of you that are bothered by tight spaces. That's what this will feel like. It will feel like things are closing in because things are closing in. For every human being, for every soul who does evil. Now, we talked before about we think this is to the Jew. And why would Paul bring up to the Jew first and also to the Gentile? Because the Jews would look at Romans chapter 1 and they'd go, yeah, that's for those heathen Gentiles, right? That's for those that don't believe. And Paul's going, wait, wait. Favored status by God is going to result in primary punishment before the Gentiles are punished, as well as primary blessing before the Gentiles are blessed. So you don't get to have one and not the other. This is a two-part deal. So for the Jew first and also to the Greek. And for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows, so he's right now showing no partiality. Your blank there is favoritism. There's no favoritism. Somebody wrote, he has no teacher's pets. I love that. It was good. And it's good that he doesn't show favoritism. Because if he randomly showed favoritism in judgment, then he might randomly show condemnation in judgment. This is bad. We want a just and holy God. This is good for us. It is good for him because it displays his excellence and his glory. And it is good for us because we have something constant that we can depend on. So, are there any repeated words? Judge. Yes. This was such a happy passage, wasn't it? You're like, well, where's the rainbow at the end? Well, we'll get to the rainbow in the end. But this is tough. So judge is repeated. What else is repeated? Wrath, Wrath is repeated, yes. Said with a master chief voice there. That was awesome. So, Was that your rank? Did I get it right? Chief. chief. Sorry, chief. There we go. Master sounds better, but is that? I would have liked that, but it's 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, in my mind, you're a master chief, so that's, that's my... All right, other repeated words. Practice, yes. Because it's not about just like one instance. This is a, remember all those were habitual. They were right now, they were, most of them were participles. They were, I'm practicing. This is actively engaging. What else? Yes, where was it? Where did, did you say that, Michelle? Awesome. So the krima, right? The, the output of the, the krina, the, the actual judgment. Because you, you have judging with no judgment. That's... It's a weird judge. Um, I don't know what he's doing. Anything else? What's that? You. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. The, the, the diatribe, right? We have set up this representative person to represent the perhaps Jews here in this space. So, absolutely. Uh, any repeated topics? Come on. Yeah, the judgment. There you go. That's good. Wrath, yeah. Sometimes these things overlap. Sometimes there are larger uh, thoughts that are uh, repeated uh, continuously. Now, I'm, this is not in your homework, but I'm going to assign you if you'd like. What are the repeated topics in Romans so far? And this is a question I want you to continue to ask as we move, as we move through Romans. We go this way, sorry. As we move through Romans, what are the repeated topics? Because you'll start to develop, oh, he's making a theme in these chapters. And there's a theme to these chapters. And then when you step back even a step further from that, how do the themes connect? And you begin to see, this is what he was talking about when he wrote Romans. And then you can go back down. And with that larger view understanding of Romans, look at smaller and smaller pieces. And in the context of the larger message, you can zoom in on smaller pieces and feel confident that you have not taken it out of context because it's wrapped inside this larger theme. Does this make sense? So think about Bible... So I'm, I know I'm messing with your heads. Think about Bible study as telescoping. So you, you zoom in... To get individual pieces, you zoom out to make sure you're in context. You zoom back in to see how the individual pieces fit within the larger context. And you do that enough with enough books of the Bible, and you will see themes in portions and sections of the Bible. And then you see how books fit into the larger... And that's when Bible study gets really fun. Because then you can have some confidence as you wade off into things that are really complicated, like Romans, that you're not going to be a heretic which is good. We don't want heretics. All right, so backside of your handout, what are some observations of the text? So a couple comments, uh, and then we will finish. So after verse 1, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. This is a great quote by Amy here. Uh, we cannot turn God's attention away from our sin by calling out others. He's not distracted, right? He's not going to go chase squirrels. This is not the way this works. Uh, verse 5, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Uh, Shriner, this is written by somebody on pain meds this week. This was amazing. Uh, instead of storing up for themselves eternal reward, the Jews were storing up eschatological wrath. Eschatological means end times, the, the last stuff. And she spelled eschatological correctly while on heavy pain medication. I was like, that's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, all right, so what's the point of this text? And I'm not going to go through all that because we're kind of out of time at this point. I wanted to spend a lot of time on the front side of the handout. So what's the point? All right, number one, God will, uh, God will judge our hypocrisy. 
God will judge our hypocrisy. H-Y-P-O-C-R-I-S-Y. Hypocrisy is one of my downfall words. I never spell it correctly when I'm writing it out on a piece of paper. So, uh, Number two, God's judgment is coming. Would you agree this text is pretty clear about that? Okay. Uh, number three, ju- God's judgment is... See, those of you that know I like to repeat things, you want to write coming in that, but it's not coming. It's impartial. It's impartial. And that is good. So, I spent a lot of time this week thinking about what the personalization is. A lot of time. Um, what do we need to do with that? And the thing that I think the natural response, and it's really not called out in this text, but I think it's a natural response of reading something like this, is repent of our sin. Um, so repent of our sin, of our hypocrisy. Uh, repent of our sin for not believing that God's judgment is coming and living as if it's not. And repent of our sin for believing that God's going to judge, uh, or he's going to treat me differently. He will treat us differently as Christians. Um, but that we are somehow uh, special and do not have to deal with the wrath that he has. Uh, I'm going to leave you with some words from Chris Arnold. Uh, you're a really good writer, man. You, you really got to think about doing more of this. So I'm going to encourage you publicly to get a blog of some type and to start and to practice this because it is a, it is a gift that God has given. Um, so that, like, three amens there. So I'm just saying, I didn't even ask for a second, and we got one, so. <laughs> all right, so we all fall into the comparison game. Who's doing better professionally? Who has a better car, a bigger house? I'm not as bad as, insert somebody's name here. I don't run around on my wife. I'm not hooked on whatever drug. God doesn't compare us to each other. He compares us to the law, to his word. And since we can't stand up to his word, we set our sights lower and we miss the mark. And that's why we need Jesus. I love it. I love it. I love it. So don't get down about all this wrath. Be excited about all this wrath because your Savior took it for you. That is the good message of Romans 2. Verses 1 through 11. We have a good Savior who knowingly, consciously went and did this thing for us. So, next week, uh, Romans 2, 12 through 29. That's a lot of verses, so we're going to split that up into two different weeks. And then don't forget our uh, homework. Uh, We've got all kinds of different resources available and process. So, I want you to ask for help from the Holy Spirit. I want you to read Romans. I want you to talk, go to the group, have conversations, and then send me feedback, any comments or feedback that you have. Uh, by Wednesday, and I can include those in the lesson. So at your tables is a weekly update. Uh, Lean in, engage, write down any prayer requests that you may have. Pray as a table, and you are free to go after you have finished praying. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. (laughs) 